You are now tuned in to Conscientization 101, an online magazine combining reflection, music, and action through independent media. In America, the capitalist system not only makes the people stupid, but keeps them arrogant in their stupidity. This stupidity in the country, this calculated stupidity, affects the African masses more because they read even less than the others. And they need to read more. Our people suffer because they lack knowledge. At this stage of human development, one of the best ways to acquire knowledge indirectly is through reading. Yo, I'm reading this new book, man. Yo, this shit is so deep, yo. Shit got my mind thinking about a whole new other format, man. You know what I'm saying? Fuck a book, man. The book is fucking your head up, man. Yo, when's the last time you read anything, man? Never, motherfucker. Smart bastard, why won't he play throwing? Just act retarded. Cause when you grow single parent poor, that's your place. Don't read too many books, sag your jeans through your face. Chat shit, act thick, practice your backflip. Fuck your motherfucking ass out for the glamorous. Provide the entertainment for your coachable betters. Men of letters think we could only be smart if they let us. No, knowledge ain't for punks, they market it like it is. Cause who the fuck wants to be cotton from fresh prints? But geeks design the systems, the visions, the politicians, Malthus and the Smiths. We're living in their vision, so knowledge. Is power with the power on cowards that showered you with propaganda each and every hour. That's why Malcolm never died. It's just another tug on the road, a symbol over the globe. Cause did you know the most rebellious thing you can do is get educated? Forget what they told you in school. Get educated. I ain't saying play by the rules. Get educated. Get educated. Get educated. Get educated. Break the chains of their enslavement. Get educated, even if you're on the pavement. Get educated. What a weapon that your brain is. Get educated. All right, all right, welcome, welcome everyone again to another edition of Conscientization 101 Podcast. I am your host, Senior Editor James stone and right now you're listening to them smooth grooves of chairman math yeah chairman math be jamming right (laughs) all right today we have a very very good show for you today we'll be playing excerpts from a conversation from a dialogue that we had with one, Aisha Haruna Atta. Yes, Aisha is an African novelist. She wrote two books, phenomenal books, called Harmatin Rain and Saturday's Shadows. Okay. Just a little bit how we got in, uh, 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 how we found out about sister Aisha you know as y'all know you've been listening to the show and following us on conscientization 101 we are a big reader of the work of Ayikwe Arma so you know we you know he has Perunk Publishing so you know y'all link we link to the books on the website you know usually gonna buy from Perunk Publishing you know what I'm saying that's a company that is run as a collective so you know i'm always on the website per looking to see what they dropping what new stuff they dropping pretty much read everything that he has up there and so you know i'd seen this book from uh sister Ata, and it was harmat and rain and so i was like you know let me check this out you know let me check it out so i checked it out i liked it we liked it c101 liked it okay so, you know, the rest is history. We decided to, you know, talk to Sister Ata, and we found out, you know, she had gotten a fellowship from Per Unk Publishers, you know, and the first work, Hermot and Rain, was uh, written under, like, the tutelage of the Per Unk Writing Collective. So, you know, very good work. Saturday Shadows, in that same vein, very good work. 
So let's get into the vitae of uh, Sister Aisha Haruna Atta, all right? Ghanaian writer Aisha Haruna Atta published her debut novel, Harmatin Rain, with Perunk Publishers in 2009. It was nominated for the 2010 Commonwealth Writers Prize. Her recently released second novel, Saturday Shadows, was shortlisted for the Kowani Manuscript Project in 2014. Aisha was educated in Mount Holyoke College, Columbia University, and NYU. She is a 2015 African Center Artist in Residency Award Laureate and Sankatar Fellow. She currently lives in Senegal, studying the oldest sources of African literature. All right, that's just a little bit of the Vitae, you know, get that out the way. I, I hate doing Vitae's because it like reduces people to like, you know, just a little bit of what whatever the writing is, you know, that's their life, like that's their whole life. That is, in no way could that encapsulate this sister's quote unquote education and all her work and nothing like that. This was a very exciting interview we did. Uh, this is the irony of everything, right? They call it Murphy's Law, right? We were up all night long trying to make sure that we would not have an equipment malfunction. And we were good to go. We were testing stuff out. And lo and behold, we did have equipment malfunction. Thank you, Skype. But hey, that's just how it goes. You know what I'm saying? You know, we were up all night. I was still high energy, still excited to do the interview. You know, sometimes when you stay up all night, you know, I was introducing the sister. I said, I pronounced her middle name wrong. I was so crunk and tired. You mean crunk and tired all at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's a good interview. We talked about a lot of stuff and this is just excerpts. Remember, this is just excerpts. You, you're not going to hear the whole thing. If you want to hear the whole thing, you know, we'll give you details how you can get the whole dialogue at the end of the show, as we always do. Um, another thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Before I forget and get out of here and we can get into the show, I'll say something about JJ. Okay, I'm not talking about Kid Dynamite from Good Times or nothing like that. I'm talking about Jerry John Rawlings, the former head of state of Ghana. Not JJ from Good Times, but... Your name is Jerry John, so you know what I'm saying? That boy named JJ, all right? And so, um, before we get into the show, I want to just let everyone know from this point on, we've been planning, C101 got some, we're trying to plan some nice big stuff coming up early next year. We got some changes we're working on right now, and you know, that's how you do planning, people, you know what I'm saying? It's planning, 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 so we planning now. Actually, we were actually planning and before we even launched this next phase we're about to go into early next year. So it's something that supporters and we think a lot of people will be happy with. Can't get into too many more details than that, but let you know we are working on some big stuff coming early next year. Okay. Make it a lot easier to disseminate this conscientization. Yeah. All right. Like we said, uh, Aisha Haruna Atta, this African sister, boy, you know, she can, she can write her a story, you know? So uh, without further ado, before I keep rambling on, let's just get into the show. Let's get into the dialogue we had with sister Aisha Haruna all right we are here with aisha harana atta haruna oh i'm haruna i'm sorry haruna atta okay before we before we introduce your your two novels you know this one this one Listening yes. audience, I'm holding them up right yeah. quick. Okay, <laughs> I read them. I didn't just buy them. I read them. But um, um, I want to ask a really quick question about uh, on my notes because I was pronouncing one of the sisters' names. I believe I was pronouncing wrong. I just want to get the right pronunciation. Okay. Uh, uh, I was calling a double A, 
Because sometimes when you read it's stuff, free, free, no. there you go. There you go. Thank you. Yes, already know. Yes. <laughs> I was like, man, that's my girl. They're double my a. babies. They're my babies. Yes. So. <laughs> you, 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 you knew who I was talking about. Okay, good. Yes, now, yes, yes. We got that out the way. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so her novels are Harmont and Rain. And um, the second novel, her latest novel is Saturday's Shadows. But since we got you here, and you can do it far better than I can. Can you okay. tell us about the premises for Hermione Rain okay. and Saturday Shadows? Two wonderful novels, by the way. Y'all need to get on C101 website. Go buy them right now, Paige, when you listen to this podcast. All right. <laughs> So, Hamatan Rain is the story of three generations of a family, and it's set in Ghana, in West Africa, from just before independence to the late 1990s. And it's the story of Ghana's coming of age, as well as these three women's journeys to self-discovery. And I was inspired by stories I'd heard growing up. My grandma, you know, was born in 1923, so... She was born way before the protagonist of um, Hamatan Rain. So she, she's seen so much. She's still alive. She's 91 now. Oh, wow. And so her stories inspired me. And then my mother, you know, as a child of the 70s in, in, the, in Ghana, and her stories as well were of a time when Ghana was very, very different. Yes, politically it was unstable, but it seemed like, when, when she was my age, or even younger, she had a lot more freedoms that I didn't have. So that fascinated me too. And then I grew up in the 80s and 90s, and Ghana was going through another transition there from being under military rule for, you know, decades. JJ. To a civil... JJ. Um, to, yeah, to, um, to civilian rule. So there were... The, there were, there were things I remembered as a child, like being scared of soldiers. And even though nothing happened to, to me directly then or to my family in that, in that moment, I was, I was always frightened as a child. So I wanted to talk about these moments. So that, that was what led to Hamatan Rain. And then um, Saturday Shadows sort of picked... All right, y'all. We were experiencing some technical difficulties on Skype uh, with the call keep dropping out. So Sister Atta had dropped out. So what she had said was that um, in referring to Saturday Shadows, they kind of picks up where Harmont and Rain left off. And it starts um, after a 17-year military dictatorship, and then it transitions to civilian rule. So that's what she said when it dropped off. Um, so let's get back into the interview. The head of state is the same person who was, you know, military ruler and now a civilian president. So I wanted to explore that a bit in Saturday Shadows, like just concentrate on one key year in this family's life and how that bigger transition was affecting the family's internal workings, especially because one of the protagonists was working in the government and then came to some sort of revelation that he wanted to work against the government and, and bring about change. So... In, in, a, in a long nutshell, that's what these two books are about. Yeah. All right. So I yeah. want to start off from where you left off, and I want to mm -hmm. talk about um, the title, or Martin Rain. Now, okay. I was, after, I mean, after you read the book, right? Yeah. And you... I read the book, and I was... I, you, you mentioned the Martin in there. Mm -hmm. Then I yeah. went and looked up her Martin. I looked it up after what the fact. What is that? Yeah, right. You know, I was just trying to wing it. Like, man, I know this. Yeah. Right. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. How did you yeah. come up with the title? And if you want to tell tell the listening audience what a Harmatin Rain is, okay. and how you correlated that in the title. All right, I will. Um, you know, I lived. I've lived in West Africa for most of my life, and first was in Ghana, and now I'm in Senegal. And in West Africa, there's a phenomenon called the Hamatan. During the dry season, there are these dust-laden winds that blow in from the Sahara. And 
you know, as a child in Ghana, you would get your skin would get all white, your lips would get chapped, everything would be cracking, and it'd be so dry. Like <laughs> you know, in the winter in in the US, when you get ashy, it's the same kind of thing. Okay, <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. But um, this this is caused by dry dusts from the Sahara, and in Senegal, it's real. It's like you can actually see a haze of dust. Like I hadn't seen that before. And um, so needless to say, with all that dust and dryness, rain is not something that you see a lot during the dry season or when the hamatan is present. So when it does happen, it's violent and quick and abrupt and then it's gone within a second and then the dust comes back. Mm -hmm. So I was sort of inspired by my environment. And when I'm writing, wherever I am, I'm, I'm picking up, I'm constantly picking up cues from from things happening around me. So I might see somebody cross the street and do something crazy. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is going in the book. It yeah. doesn't matter if it's not, like it, it, it doesn't have anything to do with the bigger arch of the story. But I'm like, that was so crazy. I need to add it. So when I was in Senegal, we had one of these violent Hamatan rains. And so I, I'd been looking for a title. I'd been looking for a title. And then I thought, wow, that's fitting. Because not to give anything away in the story, but... <laughs> The, a lot of the events that happen are, you know, sudden and abrupt and change people's lives for, for good. So that, that was, that was Hamatan Rain. That was the story of that one. Yeah. Yeah. And I like it also because the fact of the matter that it's like, uh, like it just says it's real thick, the sand, the, the, the like mm -hmm. you say, get ashy. And it's, the yeah. story is multi-layered. Cause you know, yeah, sometimes you, you're reading it like, ah, oh, yeah, this is, this is yeah. what's going to happen. And then it's no, it's no surprise. And when it happens, you're like, yeah, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> detect movies. Because that's, that's how I started. I, I started reading with detective books. And I, I was always interested in, like, who, who done it? And figuring out who, you know, who mm -hmm. the suspect was or who, who eventually became the guilty person, the guilty party. And so I, I still like to inject that into my books, a bit of that mystery. Even though I'm not writing detective stories and it's mostly <laughs> literary fiction, mm -hmm. I still like that element of, ooh, who did this? Yeah, I can't put it down. Exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. what I liked about it because I don't, I don't like cop stories personally. But yes, no? I do. No, I, I stay away from the police if I can. <laughs> but uh, they, 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 you, die, you end up dying from lead poisoning around here. But um, yeah, yeah. That, so uh, the thing about it is, it was written. It was. People that you can relate to. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. that's what I really liked about the story. And like you said, you follow like three generations of some sisters' lives of characters and you provided like the detailed imagery all from like Ghana over the course of like four decades. Then you gone over into America in the late 20th century. <laughs> I never thought, I'm just be honest with you, I never thought I'd read a book that talked about the coup of uh, Kwame and Krumah. Mm -hmm. And I'd be hearing about the shout out of uh, RIP shout out for Notorious B.I.G. all in the same book. <laughs> all at once. <laughs> I, I never thought I would see that in the same really? book. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that reminds us of, of, of something one of your uh, mentors, Ayikwe Armai, hey, he's close to my heart. You know, he helped wake me up. Saying yeah, this book. Yeah, remembering the dismembered continent, he said, my writing may be inspired at times, but the inspiration comes from not from palm wine or yamba, and definitely not from heaven or hell. I love that. It yeah. comes from knowledge acquired through regular, systematic research. Search. And I want people to understand that it's not about getting you some of that yamba, that wine, and opening <laughs> up your third eye. <laughs> you know, it's about yeah. study, study, study. Like when you yep. get in the gym, hit them waves, get swole. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I want to say, so what was your process in acquiring the knowledge to bring this novel to life? Because, you know, particular parts of it, you weren't even alive, you know? No. But, no. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you had in there, like the Nkrumah, when overthrown, now that had me, that was tense. Because to somebody who's, pretty intimate and knowing about Nkrumah myself and right. reading about him and stuff like that. Conscientization, conscientism, mm -hmm. see the connection, whoa! Right? Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, and the crowd was chanting, no Satan. And then they were saying, no PDA. Now, mm -hmm. PDA, y'all, that's not a, a, a public display of affection. <laughs> they was talking about the Preventative Detention Act of 58. But yeah. how did you, were able, how were you able to capture all that? I'm just... 
really curious. You answered it yourself. Research, research, research. Um, and in writing the first book, I had Aikwe Ama, you know, holding my hand through the whole process. And maybe I should backtrack and talk about how I got there. I was in the U.S. and my visa was running out and I said, you know what, what am I going to do? I'd been working in a magazine company and working for a fashion designer, not really doing what I wanted to do, which was right. But I said, okay, you know what, I'll move back to Ghana and figure something out. And then within two weeks, I found out about Ayikwe Ama's program, his um, writing mm-hmm. residency for young African writers. So I applied and, you know, it was for people aged 25 to 35. I was 23 then. And I was like, please, please, please take me. I'm mature, I promise. And he read my writing sample and the, the cooperative that he manages, you know, unanimously agreed that I could come. So that, that was how I got there. And it was a nine-month-long program. And the first couple of months was figuring out what we wanted to write about. And so I knew I wanted to write about three generations of a family, like I said earlier. But then he also just pushed us to, to, re, to, to reach beyond just telling a simple A to B to C story. He made us think about vision. Like if you're writing anything, you should have vision. You should have a purpose for writing. So that's where the whole Ghana story came in because I wanted to understand how we started out as a people, how Ghana, the country, started out as a people and where things went wrong because you, you go back now and you realize something has gone really, really wrong and it started out with a ruler who had such purpose and such, he, he had such dreams for the whole continent but what went wrong? So, so those were some of the questions I asked myself and then I read Nkrumah's biography. I read, you know, missionary accounts of the Gold Coast. I read, mm. um, there was this, this was my lifesaver. One of Ghana's major, if not the biggest newspaper, the Daily Graphic. Um, it had a compilation of newspaper clippings from 19, I think it was 1945 to 1995. I might be getting the dates wrong, but it was over a hundred years of Clippings, and that was my lifesaver. I just read it from cover to cover, and they would even have like ads of shoe polish. <laughs> that to a writer is is a godsend. That's detail, yeah. That's detail. That's mm-hmm. detail right there. What kind of shoe polish would you know Lizzie use to polish her shoes mm-hmm. and things like that? So yeah, um, so it was a lot of research, and then interviewing people. I talked to. Um, people who had lived through that period, like my grandmother as well, and just getting, getting as much as I could. And then the last part of it was my imagination. At some point, I, I had to let my imagination do the, the walking and the talking too, because ultimately it's fiction, not journalism, not nonfiction. Mm-hmm. So, so I let my imagination in there as well. But um, even now in Ghana, Nkrumah is very polarizing. You find people who are so for him and people who are not. And um, so I grew up learning, learning about these two things quite early. So that's how I was able to, to put them into the book. Um, but natural reading, research, asking questions. And Ayikwe himself was an amazing, amazing resource because... Mm-hmm. He, he grew up in Ghana in yep. the 40s. He, saw, he yep. saw a lot of changes. And sometimes I just sit him down and ask him, like, what happened? Just tell me what happened. <laughs> yeah, so, and he, tell me and he wrote, yeah. the beautiful ones are not yet born. Exactly. So. And so, you know. 35 years ago, one man set out to turn this country into a modern industrial utopia. He was Kwame Nkrumah, the first leader of a newly independent black African state. His aim was to transform Ghana into a society shaped and driven by the power of science. And I see and hear bringing up cities of Ghana, becoming the metropolis of science, learning, scientific agriculture and philosophy. Seek ye first the political kingdom, and all other things shall be added unto it. Be our friend, a nation for all. We so fly, power to every home. Be our friend, a nation for all. One, two, the 
first leader of a newly independent Ghana Faced many a challenge to visions of utopia The vision was based on science and agriculture Here come the vulture, shitting like pigeons on a sculpture Nobody's perfect, yeah we got thoughts, we can list them Legitimate questions arose about his wisdom I quote him, seek you first the political kingdom He told them an orator that would capture the nation At the heart of the master plan Beat across and Bodam, I remember going as a little man Full of innocence, thinking it's magnificent Parents taught me about its historical significance A visionary of a dreamer I heard Dilly's mind's eye The doctor saw United States of Africa Yeah, there was scope, there was hope Plans to use the boat to harness ghosts and currents So we can see currency Certain sinister things going on we didn't see The opposition put that down to naivety An absolute power corrupts absolutely An important lesson we learned through our history Dr. Nkrumah's intentions were the best But it's all a mess Cause we still needed lots of help from the West Forthright, the plan was to harvest bauxite A cheap source of aluminium for Great Britain It was all a hype, the empire took flight Needed a new source of funding, USA was smitten Eisenhower sought the benefits of black power We can industrialise, but we didn't realise Negotiations nearly made the deal capsize Cunning and sneaky man, they fucked us up the backside They had Nkrumah by the balls, so he had to backslide Eyes wide, now committing economic suicide Electricity, your all costs Entered the World Bank, entered the theory of takeoff Kennedy and his foreign aid During the Cold War, turning Ghana into economic slaves Now the European smell blood and the stage left they slide in bribing and selling Ghana guts huh. The greed that the ignorance was like wow I heard officials even invested in snow plows Oh wow, I think it's time to take the doctor out 600 million pound in debt, that's what that's about By 65 the dam was brought but it was too late Ghana on the verge of being great but now the people hate Military coup after coup was appalling Seven times the charm, enter Jerry Rawlins it wants to the great plan, great plan, great vision, great vision, a great, great plan. Determined to realize what he's seen for Africa. Things fell apart. Yes, yes, he was determined. Never overlooked the fact of what he's done. He laid the foundation for our future. We salute ya. We salute ya. Dr. Kwame Nkrumah. Yes, he was a great man with a great plan. Yeah, it got twisted. The plan was raped and manipulated for the gains of the US industries. Namely, Kaya's of aluminium. Again, they did unfairly so, at least for a while. That's at least until another capable and great leader came and commandeered the sinking ship. His name was Jerry Borders, but that's another story. You know, but for now, we salute Dr. Kwame and Krumah because he laid the foundation. Ghana's flourishing today at the fruits of his labor. Read up about him, man. There's, there's a lot more to the story. There's a whole lot more to the story. Did you know the CIA were responsible for his downfall? Howard T. Bain of the CIA received commendations and a promotion off the back of engineering and crewmen's downfall. It's crazy, right? But that's not. Shit, I gotta go back, man. Papi, Pake, I miss you, man. Stoshi, my brother Kwame, I miss you, man. I miss you, man. I gotta go back. Jamie, where are you, man? Probably on a rig somewhere. Yeah, I'll see you soon, man. I know you. I know you can't like tell us because it might be a, a, a years of training. But how do you? Not a keeper. Well, I know you're not a keeper. I'm just saying. <laughs> like one time, I, I'm gonna be honest. One time, I attempted to try to write a book, and I tried uh-huh. to make one character, and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I was like, How do you even write a character? Like, how do you? De- how do you prevent yourself from get like giving away too much too fast? From, you know what I mean? Like, I guess because I was, yeah. I'm used to like writing short stories for school, you know. Okay. Like, how do you it's, it's a, it's prolong process. The, the process? And, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a process. And I think each story is different and each story has its trajectory. Um, some, some call for more, some call, some ask to be very, very short. Um, but when I was, in Peang's residency, what what I learned to do was to plan a novel, which is which is not what a lot of people do. But there are different kinds of writers. There's some writers who will go in and just write from A to Z. Mm-hmm. There's some writers who start in in the middle or have their ending first and then continue. 
apparently Toni Morrison, she always has her first line, which is, wow, I, the, the first line almost always comes last to me. Um, and so what I learned with Ayikwe Ama was to, to think of writing in the same way you would any profession. Mm-hmm. And architecture is a good analogy. So you know how the architect will plan her mm-hmm. building. The writer can do the same thing. You can plan your building blocks. And that way, you don't wait for inspiration to strike. You, you can go towards the thing that moves you the most. And once you have the plan, you can say, okay, today a queer fear story sounds the most compelling. Mm-hmm. I, I planned it and I could write with what was tugging at my heartstrings the strongest. And then once it was done, I had the whole picture and I could reorganize and move things around. And same with Saturday Shadows. Um, that, with that one, I played with time a little bit more because each, each character's story is told sort of, especially Theos. Theos is told five years you yeah. know, away from the, the actual activity or the actual narration. Um, so planning really gives me freedom to, to not get tired, A, to play with structure and to not procrastinate because I have something to do all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's something that you could consider if you're listening out there and struggling to write, having a plan and like each chapter will have its section. And it's kind of crazy when I show my plans to people because it looks like an Excel sheet with all this text <laughs> and you know all the characters and their ages are listed and what they like, what the different themes are. But it's, I find it really, really, really helpful because my brain likes order that way. Um, <laughs> some people say I'm a crazy creative because creatives are supposed to be all over the place. But I, I really do like order. I well, really yeah, it seems like then, you would have to be yeah. very organized. I think oh, it's yeah. amazing that people can write novels. Yeah, I, do. I do too because it's yeah. you, the human experiences that you bring into it yeah. is just like um, I don't know that we'll get into another question along those lines a little later on okay. but uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I want to kind of move it on like one of the things I really like you know conscientization you know revolutionary mm. pan-African objectives that's that's what we are mm-hmm. okay Okay. like Chen Wei Zhu okay that's how we roll okay alrighty right so the, 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 the thing I really liked and I be tr- I try to push the article push the books article thing mm. push the books to people because they can see the Africans over here will be able to see mm-hmm. the same type of things, contradictions. I say things mm-hmm. over here, contradictions. Yep. You get to see the CP time. You get to see Ghana Man time. You get <laughs> to see it, it all, all of, of it. And then when yeah. you see it, people have a nascent relationship of, I ain't no African. I ain't come from Africa. <laughs> we see you the same Greece. What you talking yeah. about? Mm-hmm. Come on over here. You can get you some of these cops over here. We all the same, <laughs> baby. You know, that's what I be trying to tell the people. And then, when yeah. they, but then when they see these characters, you see, I try to tell them, but you read these characters, they see little Kojo making the mixtapes. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? They remember when they was in yeah. the 90s saying, can yeah. we talk for a minute? <laughs> I remember that Tevin Campbell. I know some of y'all yep. shame y'all listen to Tevin. I had Tevin Campbell's tape. I listened to him. I listened to him. There you go. And, and, and then what people are saying is, oh, they listen to Tevin Campbell? I said, yeah, yeah we listen to Tevin Campbell <laughs> yeah. around we. the world. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But uh, and I just, I just want to say, you know, and then I, one of the things I really liked when... Uh, uh, um, like when Zara, 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 mm-hmm. okay. Zara, yeah. She, was, I'm gonna just tell a little part of, but now you know detail. But I'm just saying, <laughs> all y'all Africans know when y'all dealing with a bureaucratic situation, mm-hmm. you turn on your British mm-hmm. or your yeah. your your white mm-hmm. voice. Yep. You know you do yep. that. Yep. Now that's a yep. detail. That's yep. an African detail you don't caught right yep. there. You, I yep. said I could have said that was an African detail that you captured with such accuracy. But oh, I wanted wow. the people to hear it, so I'm, I've been studying my googie. So I'm gonna talk right to the Africans in America and say that's a detail yep. that she caught off in the story. Okay, <laughs> that's for the Africans. You, you find yourself doing things and you're like, listen, I can, I have grammar. Okay, I can speak well. So now. You give me what I want right now. <laughs> there you go. You know? So I, uh, my, my, my question... But like you said, the contradictions, it's crazy. It, it, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So, you know, I think, you're, I think, you know, stuff, novels and like this will be able to 
like really bridge the gap so people can see we really want mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You know, mm-hmm. and, and I, I don't just say that we want people and try to promote some kind of tourism like JJ did, you know. <laughs> I know what you did, JJ. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> then going to the World Bank. <laughs> Neoliberalism. Mm. But anyway, uh, you know, so I just want to get your assessment on like, you know, how is it like, you know, literature like this, literature like Amaz, literature like Ngugi's, literature like Chinwazu, and also literature over here, literature around the world. You just came back yeah. from Brazil. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. there's so many Africans down there and yeah. they don't tell us this in the U.S. And we so smart, no. already, aren't we? We so smart. <laughs> but we don't know about that. <laughs> So I just want to know what's your assessment on how books such as yours can see, not from a, we're all African brother, sister, but see, ooh, look at Pastor Edom, girl. He look good. Yeah. You know, yeah. the same thing yeah. that was going sure on, go on right over here, especially since we was colonized by the same Anglo-Saxons. Mm-hmm. They just called yep. themselves American. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yep. Kojo had his uppers. You know what I'm saying? Kool-Aid was, you know, whooping. Nah, let me just go ahead. Let me, yeah, he, that boy was clean. He was like, say, girl. You yeah. know, I like it anyway. <laughs> He's so excited. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. Yeah, but it's true. I, um, I, I started writing because of Toni Morrison. That's why. I read her stories and I saw myself in her stories. Mm-hmm. And I was 13. I was in Ghana. I hadn't been to America. I didn't know half the things that went on there, except for from TV and, you know, what that does and oh, what God. that shows. <laughs> um, but I read Toni Morris and I was like, wow. Like, women in Ghana go through the same thing. Mm-hmm. The same things. Um, so... That, that was really it for me. And it took yeah, women and African in America to get me into writing. And that's exactly what you're saying to me. It's like the, with the same people. Like in Brazil, the same thing happened. Like even with the way people, I would go into a small town and the way mothers would talk to their children. I was like, this is the same way my mom would be like, you better act right. Stop misbehaving. Like, yeah, same look. Um, and we have a woman visiting. She's so fascinating. She's also a writer and she's visiting Senegal now. And she's, she grew up in, her family's from Louisiana. She grew up in LA. She lives in Baltimore now. And she's lived in a lot of African countries. But just interacting with her, I'm like, wow. <laughs> you are so African. It's crazy. Like, you're so African American, and you're so African at the same time. It's like, yeah, but I think yeah. Hopefully, more books will illuminate that we're. You know, it's all a process we've been through. It's a, a process of movement that we've we've a, journey, a number of journeys. Some very very violent and forceful that we've undertaken, but the stories are still there. The stories. You know, there's still fragments of stories that are still there. And if we can find them and heighten them and, and show that we're more like them, we're different, it's a start and it's a way to to really start thinking of ourselves as as one, mm-hmm. as a you know, as a way to start building building up what we've lost or to wake up. So I think literature and film and you know, programs like yours can do this and it's it's a small step process in Senegal we say danke danke which is like small small but <laughs> you know I hope like tiny tiny drops will eventually get somewhere um so I'm 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 very excited about the times we live in and every time there's new literature out I'm like yes we need more of this mm-hmm. we really really need more of this to to show to show our similarities mm-hmm. um yeah. And Ayikwe Alma's books, he even goes a step further. He's like, yes, and this is how we're going to get things done. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 
It takes one mind to start a revolution All it's got to do is start recruiting, saluting Planting seed in every single human One move can start off a movement So start moving, tell your brother to move too And tell your sister to move too I'm trying to make the music to move you Yeah, not Harlem Shake I'm measuring the limits that your heart can take I'm treasuring this moment every single day Every day is a one away One's original, one's an individual One by itself so spiritual One life God's given you, one's order So far I've got one daughter One heart and it's all hers One comes first One family, one us It's just one love, one love, one love One life, one love, one soul, one mind in the one, no us without you, no mind without soul, and that I now know, I'm one with the future and ancestry, tap into your true self and set free, the rain that comes, the days of sun, this time waits for none, it all makes up one, no beginning, no end, the continuous cycle, fill the notes of the instrument spiral, aiming at one heart, all it takes is one fool to make a gun spark, and it's another bloodbath, what a shame in the slums that's paraded, but all it takes is one man to change it One voice with the tongue and the mating And no more with our young carry hatred Time to spark the revolutions in people With simple logic, all contributions is equal One life, one love, one soul One mind, one you and one me One sun, one sea The truth we need to set us free So one life Some of us are born blind, not everyone sees The vision we envision for these lost streets Imagine a whole village raising one seed That's how it was before we scattered like the lost sheep Some getting wet tonight, some sleeping on a soft sheet Some getting vexed cause I don't see it like it's obsolete I see it like I need to be the change I want to see Fire happy blaze, flames until we want the free Badly wrong, look strong but it's got an end We know they're getting on to us cause we're on to them they can tap the phone for hours that don't stop the pen We're one but they get one with us, call them the monster men I'm looking round at the lions counting 1 to 10 The 10 to 20, really one is many A bag from a pound, a pound from a penny It's time to listen to each other and lock off the telly One life, one love, one soul, one mind, one you One sun, one moon, many stars Do you know who you are? Take control of your path One left, one right, which way? One death, one life in his name One mind, one brain, many levels The most high, one God, many devils One soul, one sight, one love One goal, one fight, one us One gun, one bullet, so deadly One people facing one enemy Out of many comes one energy one blood, one aim, one destiny One tree, one bite, one felony One seed, one womb, one legacy One dream, one key, one memory One day we will feel one ecstasy One life, one love, one soul One mind, one you and one me One sun, one sea The truth we need to set us free So one life One like the sun and the moon For my presence when I walk in the room A mummy in the tomb A baby in the womb Do you really know? Or do you just assume? Listen out for the real Cause we've got big tunes And there's more in store Get your mind in tune Now let's get together Like a bride and a groom Whatever the weather Keep riding through How we move as we cruise On our journey With one motive A plan that's worthy So we're devoted I plant my feet firmly And stay grounded Surrounded by elders From early I get along with those that know and those that don't We make do cause we're on the same boat It's the truth, show the youth how to move Then watch things change And we stick together, come sun, come rain One life, one love, one soul One mind, one you and one me One sun, one sea The truth we need
One thought, one dream, one vision One force, one team, one mission One life, one step, one minute Only one chance, my check, one lyric Always two sides, don't just talk, listen Only one love, one God, one religion Read between lines, only one supreme mind Only one level, one source, one peace sign Only dealing with the positive vibes, that's the target But I still remember them times were full of hardship Seen us all progress and come far from when we started Had many questions, needing the answer Like, I've come so many people are starving Soon to be reaping from seeds that we're planting The roots grow deep like a tree from the garden One is a movement, we're keeping it marching as one One life, one love, one soul One mind, one you and one me One sun, one sea The truth we need to set us free So one life, one love Together we are one This is where we got to leave it for now, but not to fret. If you want to finish listening to this interview in its entirety, all you have to do is go to conscientization101.com or c101magazine.com and subscribe today. And you will have access not only to this particular interview, but to all of C101's interviews, past, present, and future, plus much more. See subscription benefits for full details. And most importantly, you will be supporting 100% independent media. This episode has featured sounds from Akala. The track is Get Educated from his Knowledge is Power mixtape, Volume 1. Y'all haven't heard Volume 2 is out. That all on my own. See, I... I can't do that, but man, that's the opening track, you know, Mr. Fire in the Booth. Y'all need to check that out. And not a coincidence, I'm not going off the topic, I'm not rambling too much, but the irony of it is that like, okay, a college album, The Thieves Banquet, this is some crazy irony, ironic shit here, check this out. The Thieves Banquet, his album, right, that came out in 2013, right, I had just finished reading in 2012. The Devil on the Cross, right? So I just finished reading The Devil on the Cross from Ngugi. Guess what comes out in 2013? The Thieves' Banquet. Kind of based on The Devil on the Cross. I was like, damn, man. This dude is in my head. You know what I'm saying? And another irony of it is this. Check it out. It's that kind of like what, you know, uh, Ragazulu Rebel and Cyclonius were talking about the one life vibration. And if you're in tune to that same type of uh, 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 you trying to answer these questions of the world and you on that same path you're going to run up into this knowledge not because it's like metaphysical but because you're studying and going down the same path and truth is truth right how do you know the, how do you know the truth from constant struggle against lies right so you know what I'm saying so check this out so on the Thieves Banquet right you know it was funny, I heard this brother that was doing the intro for Among Amizi, this brother's talking about awakenings and stuff. I was like, man, this dude is cool, but you know, I downloaded the album off iTunes, so you know, I didn't really I don't really read the the liner notes, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just like, yo, yo, that brother's 
speaking some deep stuff. And I had had like a equal my like on my Amazon. It kept coming up like you know check this 2000 season up. And I had that book on for a while. So I just finally decided to give it a try. The irony of it is, you know what I'm saying. So I picked up 2000 seasons, read it. And I was so moved by the book, you know what I'm saying? I did a YouTube search on Ayikwe Arma, and the irony of it is the intro from Mangamizi off of College the Thieves Banquet was from a clip of the YouTube, the only YouTube that I can find of Ayikwe Arma talking about awakenings. You see how this music thing and everything just comes, everything just comes together. That's how this stuff works, y'all. Conscientization 101. And back to the featured music on this episode. Chairman Math from his album 1976. The track was Rise from Arise King David from his album Free Music. The track was Nkrumah Salute. And last but not least, from Logic and RU1Fam's collabo album we are one. The track is one, featuring Amy True. We want to thank Sister Aisha Haruna Atta for taking the time to dialogue with us. And if you want to keep up with the work she is doing, you can find her on her Facebook page, Aisha Haruna Atta, and on AishaAtta.com. And remember, Links to Aisha's work and all music featured on this episode can be found, as always, in the description of this episode on C101.com. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter at Conscien1, that's C-O-N-S-C-I-E-N-1, on Facebook at Conscientization101. And Instagram at C101Editors. Thank you for joining us. Go to the website. Tell a friend. Go to the website. Tell a friend. And one more time. Go to the website. Tell a friend. Support independent media. Conscientization 101. We out. Peace. If you have not enjoyed yourselves tonight, you've been listening to Chairman Matt. God bless you, Aloha. We'll see you all in just a little.